Daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, every guys. As, good evening, you guys. As always, your host here, uh, Jeff Lloyd. Uh, follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, always follow the show. Uh, the Locked On Browns Twitter account is always a follow back account. I appreciate you guys so much. I get so much great info, questions, ideas, anything over there, guys. Uh, if you don't want to tweet it, you know, feel free to DM it. I do my best to get back to every single one of them. Uh, iTunes rating reviews, guys. Let's keep those going. It helps the show with its growth here. We got a month to go. And, you know, normally last year, I mean, look, normally at this time it was, you know, draft almost 50% of the time. Um, even in the January, however these next three weeks go, you know, there's going to be head coach talk. Obviously, there's going to be assistant coach talk. Uh, senior Bowl. Uh, so, I mean, we're going to be able to put together a great January for you in the entire offseason. Uh, joining tonight, and, and it's been a while, uh, you know, he's kind of busy with the Browns film breakdown, which is kind of now a triumvirate of businesses. Um, <laughs> the podcast, the YouTube channel, uh, the work over at the OBR, the work over at Cleveland.com. My buddy, my man, Jake Burns. Jake, it's been too long. How you doing, pal? Hey, man, I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. You know, it's uh, it's always it's always busy this time of year, as as we would be winding down our seasons most of the time, <laughs> kind of looking at draft stuff and all of that. But it's cool to be talking about what is the uh, the single marquee game we've had in, involving Cleveland football for. And I, I don't even. I, 2014 feels like it's been so long now, man, that I, I can't really remember where they were the last three games of the year. I know they were seven and four, but there was the downhill slide that everyone saw. You could you could feel that they started playing Manziel and. This is different. This is an ascension instead of a you know a, a downhill fall, and it just feels like a playoff game, man. It's it's pretty exciting with three games left to be in December and talking about. It's an outside shot. The playoffs, I get it. It's far far fetched, but it is fun to have this much on the line. Well, the first things first. I mean, even if the eight seven and one didn't get you to the playoffs, to go from one thirty one one and thirty one zero and sixteen, you know, to eight wins would be miraculous. Look, five at this point. I mean, looks pretty damn solid. So whatever goes on from this point, but what you have now is a nucleus of guys who show up each day in the facility, workouts, practice, each game. They show up and they do everything that is asked of them and let the chips may fall where they may. And that's what you're looking for. And there's still a head coach to be added. There is still so much more to be done, a free agency period. For me, what do I want to look The biggest thing for me is, you know, playoffs would be fantastic. But if you can somehow walk out of this with another win over Cincinnati, if you can somehow walk out of this with another win over Baltimore, and you go into this offseason after being 0-16, Jake, and you go into the offseason before you even added a head coach and say, you want to know what? We're competing for the division next year. That is a miraculous effort. And look, you know the coaching, the coaching staff who's in charge currently right now, they get a lot of credit. But you've got to put this on this talent base and this roster. These guys, it, it, it never got to the point where it rocked them. You know, obviously, you know, they were upset. You know, they grew a little tired and, you know, aggravated with the dysfunction. But nothing's mm-hmm. ever stopped it, it stopped this talent base from saying, look, either way, whatever goes on here, anchors or not, we're dragging this boat forward. Yeah, and I think, I think obviously, the roster's done a really nice job of responding and um, there's a there's a spinoff to those who thought that they were just playing hard for Hugh. If you listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, I thought Joel Batonius sort of uh, debunked that idea that they were simply that they always played hard for Hugh. Well, they're you know they're professional athletes, and he kind of made note that you, no matter what, we're playing hard because our pride's on the line. And um, I think that this group was was proven, uh, sorry, was driven to be able to prove 
that once they were able to get rid of the anchor, it was, we can do X, Y, and Z, and here's let us show you. Let us spite the guy who said he didn't have enough talent, right? I do think it's interesting, Jeff, that this if they somehow win two of three and finish seven, eight, and one, or, or God forbid, all three, that the group would be, um, you know, would... would I, I would I would question whether is that the best interim coaching performance of all time? Like I don't I have to look at it. Would, would you, it's it's inter- it's a conversation, right? Unless but, unless somebody maybe got sick. I mean, you know, there could have yeah, been a coach. The, I mean, who had the Pagano a Arians yeah. thing, right? That was that was a thing. Yeah, but like a coach who's straight up fired and a team to finish. What would they finish at that point? Right, they're three and two right now with them. They'd finish. If they won all three, they would go six and two. Wouldn't that be unheard of? Like, I'd have to look at it. I want to write on that at some point. If they if they somehow win this one and win Cincinnati and go into week 17 with a real shot at winning, you know, making the playoffs, it would be a fun discussion. But, yeah, man, I mean, it's from every level on down, from, uh, from the head coach of, of Greg Williams completely seeming like a different human being, and it's not just us on the outside noticing the level of conversation, the level of um, – I just it, it just sort of his analysis when he's doing his pressers, they feel different, and he seems like a head coach, right? And then Freddie Kitchen stepping up and having Baker's back in his press conferences, and then and then obviously proving it week in and week out with just you listen to Freddie Kitchen's talk and you're like, that's just kind of like a good old country boy, you know? Yep. And you're like, I can't see this guy really being a great offensive coordinator because he just doesn't seem super cerebral. But man, like I wrote about it Monday or sorry Tuesday, like this guy is. He's using his, and it's kind of common sense, which I tried to point out. And the defenses haven't been as good. I get it, but you you have to do it still, and they're doing it. They, their running back usage has increased. The the way in which he's disguising his favorite schemes and layering them with what I call scheme mirroring, where you're making the defense think they're doing something. You hit them with one thing, line up in an identical formation, and give them a different wrinkle out of that exact formation, an exact post snap initial step. Like he's doing. He's giving his tackles help with chipping and different sorts of things. He's he's doing so many great things, and it's like you look at you look at the product now, and you think if they end up going six and two, or even five and three, I think you really have to consider these guys in some fashion. I get it. We don't want to be prisoners of the moment, and you certainly don't want to overlook anybody. The, the beautiful part I said the other day, the beautiful part of this coaching job search is that it is actually coveted for the first time in a long time, even despite the Haslam's. Baker Mayfield makes this whole thing coveted. It is a coveted job. Uh, you get him aligned with the right offensive coordinator. I'm not sure that Freddie is like the peak of what an offensive coordinator can do with him, but he's doing a damn good job. There's no denying that. Like this is a job in demand, and and I think that Greg and 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 his ability to lead this team in a in a tumultuous time with you know obviously having Freddie step into a different role. Like those guys should be considered. The beautiful part of it is. You can pick whoever blows you away. Instead of feeling like you have to square peg, round hole sort of thing, you can actually sit back in your room, John Dorsey, Jimmy Haslam, whoever's involved, and say, I need to be blown away because we have a job that people actually want. And that's cool. And I do think that people keep coming at me about I am not discounting when I talk about other guys. Like It it is not to discount that if they are 6-2 and and they make the playoffs, which would be a miraculous story, it would be – one of the top five stories in all of sports this year. There's no denying that. They were able to go from 0-16, midseason coach firing, 6-2, and bang it out, make the playoffs, steal division. It'd be unfreaking heard of. And it would be the story of the year. And then it's like, 
I know we're playing the what if game, but it's not that crazy to think about, Jeff. They could win this game Saturday. Mm-hmm. Well, Denver is very depleted in certain areas. And they've areas already beaten the their last two opponents. Uh huh. And then and then you play yeah Cincinnati ball. It is not crazy. Now it is crazy to think that the other things with other teams will fall that way. But even if they get to eight seven and one, it's like the resume that Greg and and and, and Freddie have put together. It's like whoa, you know, like that that's impressive. And are we gonna? Is there a home run guy? Like I know we like Eric Bieniemy, I, I, but he's not. He's got some things where you say, okay, I see why that would be a hesitation. So I don't. I don't know. It is going to be very interesting. I, I don't think when they made this decision to bring Greg and have Greg run it that they were they were thinking this is – I would love to know what John Dorsey's thought process is now. Having, yeah, oh, I absolutely. Think that, I think that they kind of just put these guys in these positions and they're like, okay, we'll just run it out and whatever happens, happens. We're kind of throwing this year to the side. But now it's like I wonder if John's kind of like squirming in his chair a little bit. He's like, man, these guys are making this decision hard on me. And that's a good thing because good football is being played. The product is good. It's, it's, it's good football. So um, – I don't know, man. A lot of different angles, and I, I tried, like I said, to tweet about today. There is a lot on the line in the year. These two coaches are trying to really strengthen their positioning, and if not, strengthen at least the positioning of Bruce Arians so that they retain this job. Because, like, I think Freddie will want to be here. I, I think people talk about well, Freddie Kitchens is the hot name going forward. Uh, well, he's not going to stay here. He's going to take another head coaching job next. I said, no, that's not true. If you bring in somebody like Bruce Arians. He says, I'm going to coach for three years. That's my three-year window. I'm going to try to bring a championship to Cleveland after that. Okay, so so you're going to tell me Freddie Kitchens is going to go coach Josh Allen and in, in, in Buffalo in two years? Like, why would he want to Or he's going to go to Tennessee or something yeah, like that? Exactly. And, Come on. I mean, and that's not a slight to Josh Allen. I'm just saying, like, this guy has a relationship with this quarterback. You could you could name Freddie your uh, uh, offensive coordinator and assistant head coach, and that's that's the label, man. And, like, the, the, you have a succession. Play. Like, that. that is a possible route. I'm not saying that is the route they go, but with the lack of guys who are just absolute home runs like a Matt Nagy was last year, I think that it is something that they are very seriously considering. And if these three games go well, and if they lose one or lose two, but they're very close, it's something to really consider. And I'm I have gotten to the point where with how much I watched every single snap the Browns have had since week nine the other day uh, to get ready for that writing piece and it's just a, it's even the second half against Cincinnati where people were frustrated with it. The game plan was very sound in terms well, of taking care and mitigating thing. risk. But here's yeah. my thing with the Bengal game. Oh no, they had a really hard time when they were up twenty eight. Oh okay. So yeah, I mean, like really, yeah. when's the last time any of these guys? You know, I mean, anybody associated with the Cleveland Browns was up twenty eight, so they had a difficult time after that. Yeah, you, you just mitigate risk. That's all you do. You you find. You just you, you keep everything very simple. You don't beat yourself. It would my I've had this conversation in coaches' offices before. You just say, okay, we play the way that Cincinnati has to have a hundred things go perfectly right. If they make one mistake, we win. They made a mistake in the fourth quarter, didn't get a fourth down conversion. They're still up fourteen points at the fifteen points at that point. It wasn't even close. Cincinnati wasn't even in the game, so it's moot. But what I'm getting at, the overall point is, like they're they're everything they're doing offensively is is. It's caught the attention of the rest of the NFL. And when is the last time, other than I, I tried to know, other than the Kyle Shanahan year in 2014, there has not been these many eyes that cover the league as a whole looking at the Browns and saying, that's creative, that is smart football, look what they are doing. And that is something, Jeff. Yeah, and, and that is one of the biggest things. Because I even remember you know, watching, you know, as the game was winding down on Sunday, and it was, you know, other games are ending, and they're bringing you into the end of the Browns game. And yeah. oh, those of you who are watching this game, you know, welcome here. 
Because, I mean, you know, I remember doing this, you know, doing this show and covering these Browns games last year, and it was always the, well, this is over. We'll send you to the end of Giants-Eagles. And it was, you know, like that type of stuff. Now the games are getting sent to the Cleveland Brown game. Um, guys, you listen to Locked On Browns here. Uh, Jake, Brand, uh, Jake Burns and I, for the first time, been able to sit down, break a little bread here, and go through as much of stuff. We're going to do a whole bunch of mailbag stuff here in a little bit. Uh, just going to focus on Freddie Kitchens in a minute. Locked On Cavaliers, Chris Manning, guys. Uh, look, I mean, young team, very similar. They are very similar to 2017 Browns. If anybody caught me and Chris Manning do the crossover, it's that type of thing. You're finding your way, finding your pieces, finding your building blocks, and you're going to go add more. But Locked On Cavaliers with Chris Manning. Go ahead, subscribe, yeah, and uh, you know, download shows, and give it a listen. Chris does a great job. Uh, Jake, one thing I do want to get here too, uh, and, and I've gotten to the point now where it's Freddie effing kitchens. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. Whether it's wishbone sets or it's letting guys like Jarvis Landry throw the ball, whether it's letting other running backs throw the ball, having a little fun in in what at the time when this they took over Freddie and Greg. Looked like it was just an absolute lost season. Hey, I'm going to keep the guys engaged this way. We're going to do everything. I'm going to use every skill guy on the roster. You're all going to get a little taste of the pie. And it's, but now it's translated to wins and it's translated to, you know, some real positive and, you know, a lot of scoring and just the creativity. And, you know, I don't know if he was kind of in the corner. You know, for the first eight weeks, like, well, guys, why don't you try something different? Or, my God, guys, I've got a binder bigger than your head of some stuff we can try to do. But you hate him. He hates you. It's not going well for any of us. And then all of a sudden, it was like, all right, Freddie, run the offense. And Freddie came in and dropped that binder wide the hell open and said, guys, let's have some fun. Here's some stuff I like. Yeah, I, I, I just think. I think when you hear like there's a there's a really good YouTube story on Freddie's health issues. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you watch that, Jeff, and um, and I would encourage any of you who who haven't watched it to watch it because you get a little bit more of a perspective of who he is as a man and how much his players in Arizona respected him. But um, I just I, like you hear Freddie talk, and this is not against Freddie, but it just kind of sounds like I said like a kind of good old country. So I, I would imagine those egotistical guys. He and this is not. Every coach has an ego. You think that you know how to solve everything. You don't see coaches. Coaches bring on players that have failed at other places because they think they have the magic cure to fix them. And, you know, guys like Todd Haley and Todd, I'm sure that a lot of people really respect Todd as a person, as a man, but they just think that their way is right. And he's worked with guys like that. It stops. And like, I think that they would hear, they would hear Freddie talk and they're like, okay, Freddie, got you, man. Real cool. And it's like, I think Freddie's just been kind of gathering. He's just kind of been putting things in the bag and like, as the Browns have gone through this year, it, to to be able to come up with that what I call the wing the wingback uh, counterplay there, you oh have my God. to have you have to have and I, and I really broke it down on the OBR. It'll it'll come out tomorrow. It's fun. It's a fun piece that that you have to you have to have noted and sat down by yourself and said, I really like this goal line play. I really like it. What is a nice little answer off of it? And then you have to come up with some sort of fun answer, which he did a really nice job of. And I thought that that was really impressive because, you know, every defense is going to get cut up. Like the, the modern age, if you guys don't know, coaches cut up. They have they, they use a product called what's called Huddle. And you, you take, you insert information, and you, you can send to your players anything. You can send to them all first down plays that the offense has run this year, all opening 10 play script that the offense has run this year. And you can watch it. You can study it. So I'm imagine one of the, the chunks of plays that, that Luke Keekley and the Panthers got was Brown's goal line 
uh, plays inside the 10-yard line, inside the five-yard line, inside the red zone. One of them included that right there, that tight trips jet fake pitch. The, they call it It's jet odds. Uh, you know, they fake the fly sweep and pitch it. It's, it's a common NFL staple right now. A lot of teams run it. It used to be run from the I formation. You fake to the fullback and pitch it to the uh, back opposite. Now with the jet fake being prevalent across the NFL, it's just a jet fake to sell real one way and pitch out the opposite way. The beautiful thing of it is that, that you're, you're, you're sending your offensive line gapping down on power so that it looks like the offensive line is going toward the pitch to the back. And, it, and it, it truly looks like that, and that's why the linebackers are sold. Linebackers are sold by offensive line steps in front of them, not so much what the backfield does. Like that, you your high school coaches talk about that all the time. If you watch the backfield, you're going to get fooled. Like that, reading keys up front is where your linemen go. So all the line is gapping to the left in these in these two plays. You just sneaking Betonio out on power, and then you have the backfield motion, and then you have this Jarvis Landry sneaking underneath, right? sneaking underneath the line and catching it you know taking an inside handoff from Mayfield the ball stays hidden almost the entire time it's just beautiful it was really fun man and it's like Freddie's gadget plays yeah a couple times they'll 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 run some some like the Jarvis throw and the and the yeah, Dontrell, the, 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 like it's cool but uh. yeah like the Dontrell Hilliard throw that was picked off against Atlanta like I get it what he's doing is really emptying the bag and what I think he's trying to do is make the offense as fun as he can possibly make it like, I got this stuff, guys, and we're going to do it. And the guys get behind it. You can hear them in interviews talking about how fun it is. And a couple times, I think he's probably learned from it. Like, the, the throw that Jarvis made, it's like, man, you know, six is rolling, man. Keep it in his hands. Don't take a single down out of his hands and let him rip it. And now Baker ripped one in the uh, up the hash. It should have been a touchdown to Higgins on that drive nonetheless. But that was one less opportunity for six to throw. And right now you want to keep him rolling. But I do, like, I get it twofold. I've been in that situation calling plays where it's like, man, I got this trick play. I think it could really work here. But it's like we're rolling, and I got a really good quarterback, and I probably shouldn't do it. So I think he's learning as he goes. Like this was not the right time to do that kind of stuff. But um, I'm most excited, Jeff, about doing the simple things, using your running back in the passing game in the NFL, and then just taking taking schemes that you could, you you usually do stuff out of, and and branching a new way to do it. Like I was I was just super impressed that. He's taking things from he's challenging defensive coordinators. And I'm rambling, but this is it was so fun, man. <laughs> like he's challenging defensive coordinators from weeks before. So like he ran in his first game out. He they run they run what I call counter play action scheme all the time. You'll see the backside guard yep. go peel for the play side end. And what it looks like is counter run game, obviously from the backfield on the play action fake, and it looks like it up front. But the the, the smart part of that is you're sending your left tackle or your right tackle on a gap down, which makes his block easier, less restriction upfield, and you're sending two of your better offensive linemen, your Betonio and Zeitler, out to block on the perimeter, right? It makes the you, – you're sending better blockers to block guys off the edge, which is very smart, and it helps with play action, and I think that's why they keep going to it. Like I asked, um, I asked uh, the PFF guys, I said, how many times are the Browns running counter power because it, how often are – if they're doing it a lot – is it really messing with the defensive head and it, the defense's head in terms of what they're seeing up front? And they're not doing counter power so much. So that led me to think it's not so much about masking the running game as much as it is about we want to take these two guards who we really trust in space blocking and put them on a perimeter guy to help our quarterback feel comfortable with what's coming off the edge. So that's what I love about it. Obviously, you get deception, but they're putting better blockers and making it eat on the edge and making it easier on their tackles by gapping down and blocking and securing it inside, which is smart, very cerebral. But what he did week nine, his first game out, they ran, they threw on the, on the second play of the game, they ran a boot action 
two-man route, and they threw it to Jarvis on that squirrel. Peyton Manning broke it down on ESPN Plus when it first came out. He was starting to break down Mayfield tape. He broke it down. They just ran a that same counterplay action concept. Baker moved to his right a little bit off of it, moved the pocket, threw a comeback. What do they do week fourteen or sorry week uh, week twelve with the Bengals? They run the same like the Bengals obviously got the first ten play cut up. This is what Freddie Kitchens does to start a game. It's the same formation. It's the same motion. They run the same play action. It's the same two man route concept. But instead, what does he do, Jeff? Throws a screen, 23 yards on the first play, throwing a screen pass to Chubb off of it. It's just really, really beautiful, man, what he's doing. And when he goes shotgun, five wide, empty sets, he's getting the ball out of Baker's hands quick with good spacing concepts. One man read, throw, boom, it's out. It's good, man. I'm just telling you, he's one of the... He's one of the better ones doing it right now, and I think that people are starting to notice it. And it's just it's a it's 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 entering into a territory where nobody saw coming, and that's it's just been a really fun surprise, man. Sorry, that got rambly, but that's where I'm at with it. No, we're good. But uh, but part of it is it's like the you know like when you used to you know be taught to write a paper, you outline it. But he's taking you know each play and outlining it. We're going to run it this way this week, and then we're going to go with this the next week. And then we're going to switch it this way. But the thing, the, lo- the what I loved about the two La- Landry counters was Freddie kind of sold this during the week. And in the press conferences, he's like, well, don't worry about it. You know, if Baker has any issue with a play call, Luke Keekley will help him out with it. And, yeah, of course. And then, of course, what happened? Ran the counters to Jarvis. And what did he say? Knowing Luke Keekley and as well as he knows the tape, and that's where, you know, and look, Alvin Kamara, this is a staple with the Saints. They run that fake fullback dive and the speed pitch out. That is something they do all the time. So, you know, And Luke Keekley sees this all the time. But yeah. you very rarely see a wide receiver coming underneath. So that's, that was the beautiful part of it. Is, is Freddie almost kind of sold it when he said that during the week in the press conference. And that was, For sure. that was the part that was really, really exciting and enjoyable about it. And, and I like see, that they use they use Duke as the deception guy too. Like that's beautiful to me because like, e- everybody's yeah, eyes are always on Duke because exactly. you never know what he's going to do. Exactly. exactly. Yep. 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 Good stuff, man. All right, and we're going to get we've got a bevy of mailbag stuff here, and we got some really good ones. And this is the one I want to come uh, come to first here. Uh, Dale Harris uh, tweet with him a lot. Uh, convince me why we wouldn't get blown out if we made the playoffs. First thing I'm going to say is if the way it breaks down. Kansas City's getting a bye. New England's getting a bye. And I'm not sure if this is still the rule, but the Browns wouldn't... I mean, I, I, I guess the only way the Browns are making the playoffs is if they win the division. So they're not getting a bye. I mean, I'm not sure the way it breaks down, but I, I look at it from a wild card standpoint. I mean, you played Houston. I mean, is there anybody in the AFC that really scares the living daylights out of you? Obviously, you know, the Chargers, I mean, they had their way with you. But if it's not Kansas City and it's not New England, yeah, the Chargers are beat up, man. Like the Chargers are going through some injury issues. The Eckler's out. Melvin Gordon's got the jacked up knee. Like they're good. Philip Rivers is an MVP candidate, and I, I the Browns would be heavily, un, you know, heavy underdogs. But I, I would you if you told me if you line the Browns up with the Chargers and the Chargers have to come to Cleveland, like. Would you would you tell me that I, that'd be stunner if the Browns found a way to beat them? I, Especially I, this, when it was going to be twenty five degrees this time. Yeah, like and it's a new staff. Like, no, I wouldn't be that surprised. I, I, they'd be underdogs. Don't get me wrong. Don't try to take this as a trick. So the Browns would be no, they'd be underdogs. They, they if they were beat, I would be zero percent surprised. But if you're to tell me that they wouldn't play with them, no, they can play with the Texans. They don't turn the ball over three times. They're right in that game. 
they neutralized. You Gave know, away ten defenses. points. It was nineteen. Yeah, 13. yeah, exactly, man. Like they can play with people now. Kansas City and 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 uh, New England are on a different level, and that's that's different. But no, man, if they were to sneak in somehow, I don't, I don't. What what is your justification? What is your the you know what are you pointing to to say they would get blown out? You can't tell me the Texans blew them out, and don't try to tell me the second half the Texans weren't trying. All of their players were quoted as saying they wanted to embarrass Baker Mayfield and the Browns. They wanted to. They wanted to have a shutout, and they got lit up the second half. They were trying. They weren't doing anything different schematically the first half to the second half other than the state of mind is we're up 23 nothing. Like, that's cool. But they, they, they outwardly themselves said, the, the Texans, A, that they were really impressed with Mayfield, and B, that they were trying. They had a plan to try to shut them out and embarrass them, and they were, they were taken back. So I think if the Browns got another crack at them, it would be fun. My biggest takeaway from the Texans game was is Baker and and maybe even Freddie learned is like look, we'll go to the underneath stuff maybe a little later. L- let's go big, let's go deep, and it, you know and you lost to the Texans. What did you do right away against Carolina Panthers? We're going bo- we're going deep. We're going nine. Brashard Perriman, haul ass. And, and this was after it was already seven nothing. They didn't really try to you know matriculate a drive together. You know, granted, I think I believe it was second down. But it was like, look, we can throw the ball deep. This guy's capable of it. We have guys who can do this deep. Let's toss the pill. And you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's the problem they got in the Texan game is they were trying to run these eight to fifteen yard routes as opposed to you know where everybody was falling back and sitting on it. And once they started going deep, it was it. I mean, it was a it was open. It was it was wide open, and the, you know the, the, the bottle was popped. Yeah, I think that there was some genuine fear early in that game of, are we going to be able to maintain Watts? Pass rushers, one hundred wanted to get the ball that quick. Yep. Yeah. 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 So they, they they adjusted though. That's what you wanted to see is them find a way to adjust the game plan, and they did that. They they really put together a nice drive before the half. Unfortunately, that ball got Baker made an ill-advised throw there, down in the end zone. But they they adjusted, man, and I think that they'd be able to handle them at least make a good a good game out of it. Yeah, I mean, I think they would show well um, to think that all that's gone on, they would be able to go in there and, you know, pull off a playoff win. Look, there's a lot of variables there, and, you know, you'd have to put, you know, who you're playing against, things of that nature. You know, if would you, you know, you, you're not going to get another crack at Pittsburgh the way it would work out, but you would want another crack at Pittsburgh. Here mm-hmm. is another one with Pittsburgh on the hook. If Big Ben walks away, are the Browns the clear-cut front runners in 2019 in the AFC North? I would I would hesitate to say clear cut anything yet. Um, you could you could make a case for them being the front runners, which is like different than we've ever talked about for a long time. But um, no, I, I I don't know that they'd be the clear cut. I do I do see where you could come up with that. They don't have a great quarterback to replace Ben. I don't know what's going on with Mason Rudolph. Did they cut him? I can't remember. Uh, or did they keep him on the practice squad? I don't, Josh Dobbs is not it. He's he's not he's it. Not. Um, but yeah, the Bengals are in shambles. And uh, is Baltimore is, is is Lamar Jackson the answer? You could you could you could obviously paint a very clear picture that they're the favorites, but I'd have to see, you got to see it. You, it's still the Ravens and it's still the Steelers in those cultures. Um, but yeah, man, if you look at it on paper, like who has the best quarterback playing a quarterback driven league? If if Ben steps away, yeah, man, that's a good point. And that's kind of where I think of it. And here's another great one we got: um, the most surprising. Brown this season, and you know I hate to say the word disappointing, but one that you know one who did not do what we thought. I'll let you go first. Um, most surprising Brown this year. Ooh, 
Um, I, I, I'm tempted to say I'm tempted to say Nick Chubb, um, but I don't know. Do they want Do they want rookies? Do they want guys who have come back? Like I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't. Maybe, maybe I, I would probably go this way. I would take it to Demarius Randall. Um, we we had an idea of what we were getting with that guy, but I think he has been. But nobody uh, saw him as a free safety, so yeah. I mean that's the thing there. Yeah, yeah, and we were talking about it. Like they knew we played it in college, whatever. And he even pointed it out when he was traded. But um, you know, you have Miles Garrett, who's obviously a difference maker, one of the best at this position in the NFL, and you have Joe Schobert, who's a perennial linebacker, that's a Pro Bowl guy, and one of the top, I don't know, top five to seven middle linebackers in the league, and the defense needs him. Like, he's a valuable asset. But most you surprising player, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Most surprising player to me has been Demarius Randall. I talk a lot about what's a thermostat leader versus a thermometer leader. Like, a thermometer leader is a guy who, if the culture is, is the intensity is high around them, they can lead. But there's the ther- there's a thermostat leader who, the guys who control the temperature on their own, and he's one of them. And everybody talks about how that guy raises people up. He talks trash. He plays with bravado. Like he is, he is that type, and he has been an emotional leader. And he has been there every week for them. He is, it, it, despite injuries, and he's played corner when they needed him to play corner in Tampa. Like he's been a difference maker. And it is one of the. I'll give John Dorsey a hell of a lot of credit, man, because that is one of the highway robberies of highway robberies, getting it straight up for Deshaun Kaiser. So. That's probably my biggest surprise. My biggest disappointment, um, probably Christian Kirksey. He is he has proven to be a liability on defense before he left a, with an injury. Run fits were absolutely terrible. He usually has been a good coverage player. He was he was abused in coverage. Terrible eye discipline. Uh, I'm not sure. I know we've talked about this off podcast, uh, Jeff. Obviously, I, I don't I don't know what his future is like if, if they if he is going to play got, the way but he's got a lot of money coming to him that's the yeah. tough part and he's great yeah, for the community does. and he's great in the locker room so i mean it could be a, a case where you have a high-priced player in christian kirksey who doesn't see a lot of reps yeah i, I to me if if you were i i think that kirksey's leadership is a little bit overblown like i think that he's fine they didn't have anybody in the years that he was here to lead so he was sort of thrust into doing that i don't think that they if they cut kirksey or they're playing without him right now do they lose anything like i don't think they do and to me and this is just me like you guys can it's a subjective topic i don't think it's as valuable his leadership is as valuable as a lot of people try to paint it like he's up for the man of the year for the browns and stuff like he's a good dude he's a good human um but if his play is the same next year as it is this year they would be they would be better off with a a replacement there because he's not doing anything that is good for them. Like he graded out well below average. Probably once it all settles after the year, if they look at a minimum snap count right around where he played, he will grade out as one of the five worst outside linebackers playing this year. He was he was oh, terrible. Yeah. And I'm hard on Jamie Collins, and Jamie Collins has been a vast upgrade to what Christian Kirksey was doing. And not a lot of people talk about that. Um, because they love Kirko and like Kirko seems like a great dude and like I get those angles but at the end of the day it's a bottom line business and if he's not performing they got to figure out a solution if that means cutting him or trying to trade him I don't know what that is but they got to get better there and I think that the draft need is going to be linebacker uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting man but that's my biggest disappointment I, I could say Trevon Coley a little bit too he's been a bummer compared to what he was last year but I, I got to go with Kirksey. Uh, I'll agree on Kirksey, and, and it, it, look, it's not to knock him. Um, the fact that this guy does everything he does for the community, I, I 100% love. And look, you know, with the money he's making, I will still keep him around here. And you know, maybe it will, 
be a scenario where he starts for the first month. And look, maybe if he's healthy or, you know, he's playing much, much better, you know, he holds on to his position. But I'm going to cover my ass there, and there's going to be somebody to take his spot because this isn't the point of loyalty anymore. This yeah. is the point of winning ball games. Um, if you want my, I'll, I'll give two surprises on offense. And I'll say real quick on Kersey before we change. He was better under Ray Horton in a three-four scheme. Now three-four-four-three are interchangeable these yep. days. They and they, it goes along with what was his best game of the year. Tampa yeah. was his best game of the year, where yeah. he played middle linebacker for Joe. Yeah, and he's so I don't I don't think Greg and Blake have done a great job with linebackers personally outside of Joe Schober becoming what Joe has come inside, and that just might have been the byproduct of a position change and letting in your one of your better athletes play a roaming middle of the field and a one hundred ten percent committed player. Yeah, I, I'm 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 just hesitant to say that Blake and, and Greg have done a great job with linebackers because Kirksey was much better with the group before uh, that was here before. So I, he could he could turn it around. I'm 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 I behind it, all of these guys, but just looking at what happened this year, he's been my disappointment. Yeah, and there I mean there are some thoughts here, and you know for anybody if there are some changes and Greg ends up not here. You could maybe go 3-4. You know, Gennard Avery looks like a guy who'll be fine on the outside in the 3-4. You would have Joe. You would have Christian Kirksey on the inside. There's avenues to go that way. Uh, for me, uh, I'll, you know, as I you know, uh, echo uh, Jake's statements here with the most, you know, disappointment maybe, I will go for the two the surprises. I'm going to give it out, you know, 50-50. Greg Robinson and Brashard Perrin. Absolute <laughs> scrap heap guys. Um, mm-hmm. Greg Robinson, look, I mean, you know, last week against Carolina it was a rough week. Um, you know, there's times where, you know, now I think he's so focused on getting his technique right and getting his footwork right that, you know, maybe there's times where he's just forgetting, look, I just got to drop a dude. Uh, Bashard Perriman, a colossal bust in NFL terms. But you go to the big 66-yard reception. You go to the... Uh, the fourth quarter reception that extended the drive. Uh, granted, Carolina got the ball back. Randall put an end to it that way. But y- you're starting to see that these guys are finding their way. And look, maybe they got themselves in a situation here where you know it, it was a clean slate. And look, you know, young guys, rookies, you know, second year, third year players, and these two guys, Greg and Bashard Perriman, all they had been through, it, it, they're finding their way. And if either one of them were signing an extension tomorrow, I'd be 100% on board with it. Because you do want a little bit of guys, veteran leadership around the organization. So that would work out as well. Uh, apparently, Porter's not having a greatest and nice. No, I'm sorry, man. I didn't know if you could hear that. Can we cut that out? We're fine. We're f- Trust me right now, John Costco's son jumped in and jumped on his lap the other night. Jake, <laughs> we know how this works. If anybody is sympathetic to the child situation, it is me, my friend. You know that. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, we're going to hit up one more here before we let Jake go here because it's time to sing some lullabies for Mr. Jake Burns. Jake, um, as far as the offseason, with, with the salary cap being extended, and it now it's going to be a boatload of money. Obviously, some guys are going to be moved on here. It's only going to create more money. As far as free agency, one I mean, a lot of this comes down to what may be available. But it, it, let's say right now, elite, player at this position, elite player at that position, what are you looking to address before we even start talking draft? Uh, D-tackle. I think it's a position that is the highest need for them of all positions. Um, and and, and that's, just, that's just me having, having watched all of these snaps and seeing what the defense is doing. Um, uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to try to duck away. He's cutting teeth. Um, or gel, Jake. Or gel. <laughs> um, 
I think that the D tackle, and I think that there are really good names out there that can be had. The Grady Jarrett's might walk away. Um, that's where I would look to address. If I if I had to address another wide receiver, wide receiver would be it because I don't want to spend any draft capital there. Uh, I just I just think that you can address it with one more solid guy. Baker spreads the ball around. You don't need you don't necessarily need to stretch yourself thin at wide receiver. Uh, so those are the two that ring a bell to me. Tackle offensive class, or sorry, free agent class doesn't look all too overwhelming. So that's a draft spot probably. So uh, those those are what I would do. Uh, that's where I lean, especially D tackle and what, like I said, is a pretty strong looking group uh, coming out. And you know, and I agree there. Look, I mean, D tackle is the first and foremost. Uh, for me, look, and guys, I'm taking some heat on this. I need more linebackers before yeah, I need it. more Absolutely. wide receivers. Look, and here's the thing. If you saw it with James Conner, you saw it with McCaffrey, you saw it with Lamar Miller from Houston, you need, look, Joe Schobert, as fantastic as he is as a middle linebacker, he's not an elite athlete. But Joe isn't going anywhere. Joe is your middle linebacker. What does that, what does that say? You need your Sam. You need your will. These guys got to be able to run. Watch the Dallas Cowboys Watch Van Der Esch. Watch Jalen Smith. This is why the Dallas Cowboys are going to win the NFC East. Yes, the Amari Cooper trade was huge. And guys, I don't care. I still not trade number one pick, number two pick, number three pick for Amari Cooper. You, the, the Cowboys needed it. The Browns didn't. But you see those two linebackers with their length and their speed being able to control every aspect of it. You need guys that can chase these guys down. And everybody's like, oh, well, you can change it up and nickel and dime. You guys don't understand about base. These quarterbacks come to the line of scrimmage, and 95% of the times, they've got two plays in mind. And if they see slow linebackers, you want to know what? I'm not going to run the ball to the running back. I'm going to throw it to them. And that is what you need to do and to involve into the modern-day NFL. Guys, this has been Locked On Browns here. Jake Burns has been able to join, but we're going to let him go here. Um, follow Jake Burns at Browns Film, uh, Browns Film uh, Breakdown Podcast over at Blue Wire. Um, all his work over at Cleveland.com. All his work over at the OBR. Uh, as far as, and the other thing is, guys, Twitter Mondays with Jake Burns is a great, great experience. Um, for me, myself, personally, follow me at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Follow the Locked On Browns Twitter account. Like I said, it's always a follow back. iTunes rating reviews. We appreciate it. Guys, Jake's son can pop into the pot anytime he wants. My <laughs> daughter, Jake's son, they got the same birthday. Once Porter's ready to talk, we'll do a uh, Hope and Porter and pa- and both dads. We'll have a good time with it. Guys, it's the way it goes with the podcasting business. We deal with this stuff. Um, for everybody, look, we'll get the post game tomorrow night with Pete Smith. We broke down a lot of stuff here tonight. We talked some Freddie Kitchens, where we've been for the last, since week nine on. We've done some mailbag stuff. Guys, as we always say at the end of Lot Browns, LGB on the LOB. Thanks, everybody. Let's go, Browns.